0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. The building is- ah! Interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. The- to get you the information that you need to you can start your own business and do your own thing.
0: And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was
1: not the first person to go through what I went through. All right, welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple.
2: I'm your co-host, Andre Howe.
1: Man, we're excited, man. We got got our first uh, NBA player on our podcast. We're so excited to sit down and talk with him. Great guy, 16-year pro career, uh, first-round draft pick of the Charlotte Hornets, former Parade All-American. Welcome to the podcast, Ricky Davis. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, man, appreciate it. Jeff. Thanks for having me. Andre, appreciate
1: you. Absolutely. Uh, so, so, Rick, man, our yes, podcast sir. really, we, we like to go behind the hype, right? What's the hype? We like to go behind the, the hype to just inform younger players. So it's almost like you'll be talking to your son or your nephews, like giving them more of what it really is about the experience of making it to the level that you was able to make it to. So with that being said, you know, we kind of just start from the beginning, right? We want to know a little bit Um, about where you're from and what it was like growing up there and, uh, you know, your your family dynamics. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, yeah, uh, you know, first I was born in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, my pops was in the military, so we kind of bounced around a little bit. Uh, I was born in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, We we were there for about seven, eight years. Uh, Then we moved to Chicago, Illinois. Uh, That's where my father's from, my mother's from, everybody's from there. Uh, uh, Started growing up in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I think pops moved us out of the city about eighth grade year. Uh, then we moved to Iowa. Uh, so I was just, you know, kind of bouncing around a little bit, uh, moved to Iowa. And that's just kind of where we, we stayed, you know, through my, uh, my, my junior and my senior year, uh, ended up going to the university of Iowa there. And, um, uh, you know, so that's pretty much where I grew up, kind of
2: all three different states, but, you know, moving around. You first started playing sports, um. Which sport did you play and who inspired you the most?
0: Yeah, um,
2: I think I played first. My, my first sport was actually gymnastics,
0: really? uh, you know, played did, did gymnastics all the way to about age 12. Um, you know, and then, you know, my father played basketball all, all, all my life. You know, um, he played basketball, you know, D1 ball. Um, he went to college. He went to Rocky Mountain College. You know, he went to play for the Army. You know, so so basketball was always around. Uh then I think I started playing baseball first. Uh, ended up playing baseball. You know, I love baseball, was was nice at baseball, you know, ended up playing baseball all the way through my high school years. Um, and, and pretty much probably started basketball probably like eighth grade year. Okay. I think when we moved from uh Chicago to Iowa, uh I was like, you know, let me let me give it a try, you know. And, they forced me to play ball. My older brother forced me to play ball. So, you know, let me give it a try. You know, I was a big, tall goonk at first, you know, but, <laughs> you know, as as years got better, uh, you know, my, my ability increased, you know, um, very rapidly.
1: So I was surprised because, again, uh, being from Chicago, well, not you being from Chicago, but having a number of guests on our podcast from Chicago is almost like, uh, basketball is a rite of passage in Chicago, right? And you said you're it dead is. playing basketball. So uh, that's pretty interesting to see that that was kind of like the last real sport that you kind of got into because it's like Chicago is a basketball town.
0: It is. It's definitely a basketball town, but you know, me growing up in Las Vegas, uh, you know, my mindset was different, you know, it was different workouts, different sports. So, you know, just being gymnastics, not wanting to play basketball because being around it all day in the gym, probably. Uh, you know, pops didn't force me to go in there and play. So, you know, hats off to pops, you know, for not, you know, not forcing me into the game and, you know, let me grow upon it. Absolutely. So, but but back to Chicago, you know, I really, I really, really didn't play too much sports in Chicago. I played a little baseball here and there, but, um, you know, growing up in the inner city, man, we just, I just wanted to get out of there. Um, you know, so, so sports really wasn't on my mind, you know, we would stand with my grandmother. Um, It was a house full of people. So uh, sports wasn't nowhere near my mind. It was just a matter of, you know, getting out to a safe place, you know, moving from Vegas to Chicago, you know, that's a, that's a whole 360. So, um, you know, you got to know about Chirac. So, uh, you know, they just getting away from that, that mean green machine, uh, you know, was a blessing for me.
1: Absolutely. So I, I mean, and, and talking about that adjustment going from chicago to then iowa talk about your high school experience like you said you played you know sophomore senior senior junior senior you kind of talk about your high school success and then kind of the whole you know just the, the success that you had transitioning from chicago going to iowa and playing ball at your high school
0: yeah um you know just just moving to iowa was just um, you know it was it was beautiful uh everybody was nice you know of course just moving from a small, from a big city to a small city. Uh, Not a, not a lot of black people, but, um, you know, I felt safe, Uh, you know, not getting chased home every day and fighting every day, Uh, you know, felt safe. So, you know, my environment, it it helped me grow. Uh, You know, my learning went up, my grades went up. Um, And then, you know, I started trying to play sports. I played baseball, Uh, was the best thing in the state of Iowa, Uh, playing baseball, you know, all the way to my senior year. Uh, so coming in high school, I said, I figured I'd try to play basketball my eighth grade year. Uh, I started, you know, it felt good. I played my, my eighth grade, ninth grade, no, 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 actually I played my seventh grade year and, um, we moved my seventh grade year. So I actually tried, you know, playing my seventh grade year in with the school, uh, went good. I ended up playing AAU basketball at seventh grade. summer. still playing baseball and everything, uh, you know, started to play football. Uh, as long as running track, you know, so I played all four sports, you know, starting in my junior year. Uh, but, you know, eighth grade was starting eighth grade basketball was something different. I think a light cut on, you know, my 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 summer seventh grade year um, and and I just start getting good. You know, uh, pop started seeing me play, take me to the gym every day. Uh, you know, we started officially working out and, you know, it just it, it blew up. Um, You know, in Iowa, we had a 7th, 8th grade or 6th, 7th, 8th with my junior high. And then, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, Uh, 7th, 8th, ninth with my junior high. And then 10th, 11th, 12th was senior high or, uh, you know, high school. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have freshman high um, in high school. So my freshman year, actually, Pops was like, he didn't want me playing for the high school team because we were so good. He made a petition to the city, you know, where they wanted me to play freshman ball. You know, and at, for the high school at a whole different location. So, uh, we went in, we positioned with the mayor of the city. Uh, Pops made it happen, and you know, I was playing varsity ball, playing from the junior high. Wow! And then and, you know, so so that's when it all started clicking. How was the recruiting process? You know, going through high school. How was the recruiting process? Uh, recruiting process was great, man. Um, you know, I was I was reading recruited for everything. Um, you know, I was doing high jump track four by one, I was getting recruited for that. I was getting recruited for baseball. I getting recruited for, for um, you know quarterback and, and of course basketball, uh real heavy I was getting recruited for baseball. So um I kind of just had a, a choice of which one I really wanted to play and where I wanted to go. Uh, you know, Pops was a real, you know, a main figure in my life. Um, you know, he stayed with it, he helped me with the recruiting process. Uh, the recruit process was good until, um, you know, my junior year. You know, you got a wake-up call with um, going to all these colleges and doing all these things, and, you know, they're telling you all these dreams, but no one's talking to you about your, your grade point average and, you know, everything you got to to qualify, you know, to, to play for a Division one Division school. So I decided to take a, a visit to Iowa my junior year, you know, everybody was like, you should go try Iowa. You know, I was like, you know, I'm going to UCLA. I'm going to Kentucky. I had all these letters where I wanted to go. I'm like, Iowa. <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, you know, so I tried it. I went I went there. And the first thing they went, they pulled in my transcript. They pulled in my grades and told me, you know, the the, the course I'm on right now, I won't even be eligible for college basketball. Mm. So, you know, that was kind of a light, a light cut on in my life, you know, where, you know, what that's kind of what I work with now with my foundation is, you know, helping kids, um, work on their post-secondary education, um, you know, the GPA, the core courses, the SAT, everything has to be like a a curriculum and how it has to add up for you to make, uh, to be eligible to play NCAA. So, you know, um, I didn't know that. So my junior year, my senior year, I had to get all A's and B's. I had to take geometry, chemistry, you know, all these courses you got to take the, you know, and barely made it, I had to take the SAT three, four times. So, um, you know, it was a wake up call. My junior year, it was a, uh, it was a grind, you know? So, um, you know, that's what I do with my foundation now. is help kids, you know, cut on the light early, their freshman, sophomore years, uh, check the SAT, their curriculum, see where they're at. And, You know, let them know early what they got to achieve, you know, to be able to, to be eligible their senior year.
1: Absolutely. And I commend you for that, because like you said, there's so many guys, especially in the inner city that just may be supreme athletes that just that that don't even know what it takes to really be able to take advantage of a scholarship if it's offered. So um, I definitely commend you that. And that's kind of that's part of the reason that we really like to talk about it so that we can bring light to these things so that younger kids can understand that they need to have these things in place. Um, So as you mentioned, right, you decided actually upon the University of Iowa. I I don't know if that for that particular reason. um, But what was the biggest adjustment? playing in high school, now playing at, at the Division One level? Yeah,
0: um, it was a big adjustment. You know, the, the the time, you know, that you put on the court um, at a university from a high school is definitely different. Um, you know, that's what you're there for. So, of course, you're doing schoolwork, but uh, putting eight hours, nine hours into the basketball court now, um, you know, it's a de- big adjustment, you know, going to school eight, nine hours, you know, after, after school study hall, it's just, it's a big adjustment that you gotta, you know, time wise, time management, uh, use your time wisely. Um, you know, you got a lot of time to run around and, you know, be crazy, but, um, it, it's tough. Um, you know, it, it's tough for, for black athletes. It's tough for any kind of athlete, um, you know, going to a division one school because, You know, you don't get to work, Um, you know, you don't have no money, you can't get no money. So if you, you know, your family's not established, um, you know, it's tough for you. You know, spending all these hours, you know, on the court, in the school, but there's no free time. You know, you're living in this, in these dorms. I call them a jail cell, but um, you're living in these dorms, you know, with another roommate. And, and these people making all these money off of you, but you can't make no money, can't get no job, no one can give you no money, no one can give you no clothes. Um, it's a tough adjustment. It's tough, you know. So that was one of the reasons why I I, I went one and done, uh, why I got why I got out of there. Um, it's just a lot of restraints on the athlete, um, and and um, I was ready to you know go to the NBA.
2: Talk about your team success and your individual success while you were at Iowa. Uh,
0: did good. I, 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 I made a Big Ten, you know, freshman of the year. Uh, almost won freshman of the year. I think uh, Michael Red won freshman of the year uh, that year at uh, Ohio State. Um, so it, it was fun. Uh, made it to the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, I had a blast. I, I averaged 17 points. Could have played better. Uh, you know, I got there at first, my coach didn't start me for my first three games. And it was just a, just, just a different adjustment. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, college was fun. I was just ready to get out of there.
1: So, so like you mentioned, you was one and done, right? So that one season at university of Iowa, when did you, uh, like you said, you didn't play the first three games. When did you realize, okay, you know, one and done was an option for you or a possibility for you?
0: Mm. Uh, Well, I actually, actually wanted to come out of high school. Um, You know, I started that thought back in uh, when they, when I didn't make it to the Magic Johnson, uh, not the Magic Johnson, when I didn't make it to the uh, Magic, uh, the McDonald's All-American. They picked another player, you know, kind of made me upset, but they put me into the Magic Johnson Round Ball Classic, you know, with all the other players and Tracy McGrady was in there. He was coming out that year. Uh, So, you know, I got invited. I was out there, but I was on a vengeance. Uh, you know, I was mad I didn't make it to the McDonald's All-American. You know, so I wanted to go in there and show them what's up. Uh, you know, they was going in there having fun, playing around, you know. So I went in there. I got MVP. I went at T-Mac, that practice, that game. And I figured, I say, man, if he put his name in the draft, why can't I? Mm. You know, so I thought about it coming out of high school. But, you know, coming me coming out, a little Iowa boy. You know, not too many people knew about me. I say I figure I go to college one year, so that's where that thought
2: came out. You know, to just kind of come in one year and be gone. Parents, and your combine, your draft visits, and where you think you'll go when you when you got drafted. Who 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 thought who thought was gonna draft you? Yeah, um, my pre-draft was. uh, I think that's that's kind
0: of what got me drafted. Um, You know, I ended up uh, probably like after the season was over, second semester, I ended up leaving school. Uh, shooting out to LA with my with my uh, agent, Arn Tellum. Uh, he was one of the best agents in the in the game at that at that moment. Um, you know, and dude, you know, shout out to my pops. You know, for helping me, you know, get with with my agents. Um, you know, he kind of screened all of them. You know, without kind of trying to put me involved so I wouldn't get ineligible. Uh, you know, he picked the right agent. So the trans transformation for me. Coming into college to the to the NBA was was easy, you know, due to my father, um, you know, helping me out and, and put me in the right situations and 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 you know making the right steps, you know, kind of like Le, Le, Levar Ball's dad, mm-hmm. um, you know, making those efforts, you know, to put put his son in the right situation. So um, having Arden tell him, I came out, he really didn't want to put me in the draft combine in Chicago because. He really didn't know how good I was. So, um, you know, just him kind of picking me up and, and taking a chance on me. Um it, it was a blessing. But I told him, hey man, I want to go play. You know, you got the top 10 guys down there. He asked me, he said, Rick, you sure you wanna go down there and play? You know, it's a chance you can hurt your, you know, your draft, you know, and you can fall. I said, Well, it's a chance it can help me and then I can, I can dog all these guys and grow. Mm-hmm. You know, so man, I, I ended up going. I ended up almost getting MVP of Chicago. Wow! I thought I was gonna get drafted like you know from anywhere from five to ten, but I think with you know just being a freshman, they dropped and I went twenty-first pick to Charlotte.
1: So, so talk talk about that uh, that that draft night, right? Talk about what that experience was like for you, and then you know when, when you got that phone call, how did that feel?
0: Uh, it was amazing. Um, There's a lot of pressure, you know. I, I didn't I didn't go down to New York. I stayed at the house. Um, you know, just, i I I was a little nervous, you know, I didn't know if I was gonna have to go overseas. I didn't know if a young guy was from Iowa was gonna have to just go second round and try to get picked up. But, you know, I put my work in the combine. So, um, I had everybody at the house, um, and it, it, you know, I heard my name drop 21st. I got nervous. It didn't, didn't drop top 15 picks where they said it was gonna pick me. So, um, you know, when it, when they said 21, it surprised me. Uh, and you know just you know as your dream flashed between your eyes
2: uh, you know it was just it's a blessing after Hornets selected in the first round 21st pick what was your thoughts coming to the NFL to the NBA and uh how was it playing with the likes of bj Armstrong and Eddie Jones? yeah it was it was
0: it was it was fun um uh, man it was a big transition you know um uh, you know me getting drafted. Uh I was still 17 years old. Um I got drafted at 17 years old. I was I was almost probably the second, first youngest, you know, ever to get drafted that young. Um, you know, so you know, I had to move my parents out, had to move the whole family out. Um and you know, it, it helped me. Um they helped me go through, you know, the transition of of um you know, selling a house, buying a house, you know, getting you know, all this stuff, every everything. I barely got my license and I'm drafted. And, you know, you walk upon the NBA and, you know, it was a lot, um, you know. So, you know, just bringing them out, uh, bring, having the whole family happy, um, you know, they got to quit their jobs, retire. And um, it was just a blessing that I I could take care of the family at, at such a uh, early age. Um, and then just transitioning to Charlotte, uh, Charlotte was a good, great state. Um, you know, it was, it was calm. It was humble. You know, everybody on the team was, was vets. Uh, you know, so coming into that was, um, a great experience. That's pretty much, you know, where I learned the NBA with my transition. I was supposed to be learning college basketball, but I'm learning NBA basketball. So, um, I didn't pick up no bad habits pretty much. And learning the right at et- work ethics, you know, to stay in the league so long, you know, came from that first year. Playing with Eddie, playing with Derek Coleman, you know, Bobby Fields, you know, rest in peace, um, uh, uh-huh. JR Reed, Eldon Campbell. It was it was, you know, we had a stick over there. So um, you know, it was fun.
1: Yeah, when you mention those names, man, you, you talk about just those are uh, just blue collar guys that just come into work. Professional guys, Derek, Cole, all you know, th- these guys that were really grinders. You know what I mean? So um, so I'm not surprised by you saying that at all. Um, but let's talk about your uh, your rookie year. Right. And you signing that contract and, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, just kind of coming into this money. You, you said that you guys didn't really didn't come for money. So uh, just t- can you just say one thing that you wish something that you know now that you wish you had known just at that moment of time?
0: Oh, man, it, it's just not one thing, um, you know, it, it's not actually one thing that I could say, you know, it's several things, um, you know, for, of course, of course, from financing, um, you know, from building your, your, your foundation, um, you know, to everything, you know, now, uh, networking, business relationships, foundation, um, you know, you know, how to run a business you know, how to meet people, how to use, how to leverage, man, it's just so much, you know, that you, if you would learn early at an early age or, um, you know, and and not to say that the NBA doesn't have it, you know, they have the programs, they have the people there, but, you know, do they look like us? Do they, do they come from where we come from or do they speak what we speak? So, um, you know, hearing what they say it, it's a foreign language sometimes, right. you know, until you go through it, till you see it, and then you understand the foreign language. But um, it's just not one thing that I would tell a
2: lot of guys. It's, it's- yeah, your, your rookie season didn't go as well. Y'all went 26 and 24 in the strike starting season. Have the next team, the next year the team drafted Baron Davis, acquired Anthony Mason and Glenn Rice. What was that year like in, to play with those guys?
0: Man, that was a good year. Um, you know, that, that summer I broke my foot. I think my, my rookie year summer I broke my foot in the summer league. Um, you know, so coming back playing, we had Baron Davis, um, you know, and he came in with, with a bang. Um, you know, Anthony Mason, he came in with attitude. Uh, so it, it, it brought another dimension to the team. Um, you know, we were playing great, playing good. Um, and I think that that year towards the towards the middle we got traded. Uh me, Eddie Jones, Anthony Mason, uh, we got traded over to Miami.
1: Right. So, so uh that year too, that you you participated in a dunk contest, right? With with, with, yeah. with Vince with Vince Carter, man, talk about that experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, that was experience of a lifetime. Uh you know, going to going into the slam dunk contest is, you know, just a lot of pressure just itself. Right. Uh, you know, but going going after a guy like Vince, uh, you know, it was it, it was fun, man. It was just fun to see all those guys. You know, to be at a eighteen nineteen participating in something like that. Um, it was just fun. Um, you know, Vince took the the air out the crowd. Woo. You know, so so every a lot of dunks. You know, were missed from a lot of guys. But um it was just good to be a part of, you know, something you could show your kids, show your family for show
2: your boys. Um, you know, that I that I was a part of something special. Yeah, like you said, you was traded to Miami. Uh was that the first exposure to the business side of NBA? Um it it was a little bit.
0: You know, um you start figuring out why why you know you're trading people, uh, why I'm getting traded and just thrown in there and you know, you don't hear you getting traded to that day. Um, you know, so you do, that. Did that is the first day you realize the business side of it. Um, now, you know, that's totally out of your control. You know, so um, you just gotta put out your best effort every day, um, you know, cause you never know when you're gonna get traded. You never know when you gotta get moved, get cut. You know, so you just gotta put your best effort in. Um, you know, work on that foundation, work on that legacy and, and build your foundation. You know, so no matter where you go, uh,
1: you still grounded. What's up, Hype family? Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype podcast. But if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships. So you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Absolutely. So so like you mentioned, uh, you know, being traded to Miami. I'm, I'm a Miami guy, so you know, I definitely, you know, Miami Heat fan, so I knew about a lot of the guys that was coming in and but you, you were there only for a short period of time. Um, however, you were then later tra- uh, traded to the Cavs where you ultimately signed. And now you got a, a you know, a six year deal, big time deal. Can you talk about what it was like to get that new deal? And then what was the expectations communicated to you, you know, as you signed that deal?
0: Yeah, well, you know, getting traded from Miami, um, you know, Miami, I, I was hurt. Uh, I actually ended up, you know, I told you I broke my foot my, my summer year, uh, my, my first year, my, my rookie year in the summer. Uh, but I went back to Miami and and broke it two more times, um, you know, so my first three, four years was kind of raggedy, uh, you know, trying to get healthy, um, learning the system, body breaking down, you know, because so much work, so much travel, um, you know, so just trying to build myself back up, um, you know, but while I was hurt, you know, sitting down, um, you know, getting that in Miami, getting that game from from Pat Riley was it was one of the best experience you know of a lifetime, um, on the court and off the court. Um, you know he he has a lot of values he instills in his players, um, and he teaches you you know the real the real operations of basketball. Um, he teaches you on and off the court things. So just getting that knowledge, being there in Miami was um, definitely helped me you know, my career would be so, so successful so long, uh, but getting traded, you know, there I was, um, didn't get a chance to play a lot cause Eddie Jones was there of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pat's so faithful to his people. So getting traded to Cleveland was just a brush of brush breath of fresh air for me, uh, as a young fella trying to prove myself again, you know, fourth year coming up, um, you know, trying to, trying to work on my new deal and trying to, you know, all the pressures coming. So,
2: um, you know, it was good just getting traded, getting out there and being able to play again. So after you signed a big deal with Cleveland, you know, they they, they bring in LeBron James, they draft LeBron James. Can you talk about the whole experience and how it relates to your proven, how it relates to you as, as a proven veteran player and you come in and they draft LeBron James, how did how, how that make you feel?
0: Yeah, well, you know, just being there, you know, coming from Miami, playing there two, three years before Bron getting there and just establishing myself, you know, Averaging 24 points, 25 points a year. Um, you know, of course, I was a go-to guy, uh, signed a big deal. But, you know, um, you you can definitely see the process of us ramping up to get LeBron. Um, you know, so when we did, you know, draft a guy, you know, it was a, it was a great pick. Um, you know, we it was a no-brainer on where he was going to go. So uh, just bringing him in, I, I think it was a great move. Um, you know but it was it was kind of rugged with the front office and some of the players um, on how they brought him in um you know instead of just bringing him in and letting him play as as a rookie uh, they tried to put a lot of pressure on him you know and a lot of guys was not ready for you know them to just give up their spots you know you playing in a in a, a NBA it was no boys allowed you know this guys checks guys this is how we eat Mm-hmm. you know so just in the throne to somebody um that as a rookie you know it was different in the nba um you know so <clears throat> some of the guys didn't like it but um i think if the front office and the players would have got you know together a little more and you know and they let them know what they wanted to do you know this don't happen i think you know the guys would accept it you know and then try to, you know, play their best ball to change their mind, but they just threw him in the fire. And, you know, so, but the guy being so good, um, I think it was, we just should have let it let it roll. I think instead of trying to trade everybody away so he can be so good. Um, you know, he didn't, he, of course he wasn't going to win a championship his first year, mm-hmm. you know, why he knew that, but you got guys that was fighting for championships that year. So, um, you know, to bring a young guy in and try to grow again and, you know, lose all these games and try to rebuild. I think it it, kind of rubbed the guys the wrong way. Um, And and some guys got angry, um, got angry with the front office, not actually at LeBron, you know, guys are mad at the front office. um, And it made it look like guys are mad at LeBron. So, you know, um, it got a little rugged, you know, so, but I, I think if, if they would have let it go, I think I would have loved to play with LeBron. I think we could have been that one-two punch, you know, that 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 he needed from the jump, um, you know, instead of trying to, you know, build it up and then get a one-two punch. I think it could have been good.
1: Absolutely, so me and my, my background, working in front office and um, working closely with GMs and just, you know, the front office, you know, one thing I did notice is just, you know, sometimes in some cases, the transparency is not always there, right? They have a plan. You know, they I think in some cases they don't like to communicate because, you know, for right. whatever reason, you know, I think they have the idea that, you know, you're dealing with grown men who are trying to feed their family. So if you have honest conversations with them, you know, that will take right. you a lot further. Right. Exactly. So, so I understand exactly. exactly what you're saying.
0: And that's it. That's what it's all about. It's about the communication. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um, where some um, NBA ball clubs and some NFL ball clubs, baseball, the same way. Um, I think that's the the niche that they're missing,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, to make them a great basketball club or to make them a great franchise. Yeah. Uh, the communication key, the you know, when you're making moves behind guys' backs, you know, some guys don't even want to get traded to the team no more. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the kind of, you know, the reputation that the team or the franchise gets. So I think if the communication was there uh, with the head players and the the guaranteed contract guys, um, it would be understanding, you know, and that's what we want, and this is what we want. And you know, you got a chance of accepting it, or just moving on. Your, you know, and you know, no, no feelings hurt. It just, you know, it, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, but like you said, at least you have the the opportunity to accept it. So, you know, again, exactly. like I said, I've seen this stuff, and man. I, that's just one thing that I always kind of felt uneasy about. <laughs> Um, But um, but after your time with the Cavs, man, you spent time with a couple teams, notably the Celtics, you know, the Clippers. And then you went on to play a little bit internationally before retiring. Can you talk about just like the moment uh, reality set in where, you know, your pro career may be over?
0: Uh, My my reality set in actually before my before I uh, before I retired, you know, before I before that last time I got cut in the NBA, um, I was dealing with a, a knee injury my last three years in the NBA. Um, I had a patella tear, you know, and the whole the whole time, my last two, three years, they was, kept telling me I had tendonitis. You know, I went to two, three team doctors, two, three places to get it looked at. They kept telling me I had tendonitis, you know, so my knee was hurting so bad, I was ready to retire. So um, at that moment, you know, my, my, my light went off. Um, you know, it's, it's about time to start waking up. It's about time to start stacking your money a little bit. Um, you know, changing my life. You know, and and get my mind set on what I know, what to do. It's time to just kind of start doing it. Um, it's kind of a problem with us athletes sometimes. We know what to do. Um, we hear what to do. Um, it's just a matter of us when we want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, for so many years, so many years, we get away with it, and the money just makes a band aid covering things up. You know, and we've. We, we built that bad habits of just getting away with it and, and, and you know, instead of handling the situation. So uh, my life went off a long time ago, um, you know, and then getting cut from the Clippers um, and then going to Turkey playing overseas um, that first year after Turkey, I was just kind of ready to retire. I was in pain. My knee was hurting. Um, and then something happened. I think my agent called me and was like, Hey man, you want to go check this specialist out? It's one more specialist, knee specialist, pretty good. You should check him out. Man, I went and checked him out, got an MRI. Uh, He looked at about 10, 15 minutes and he told me I had a patella tear. Mm. And I'm like, what? He like, yeah, you got a patella tear. He showed me on the screen, showed me the injury. He's like, you got a patella tear. So I said, so you can fix it? So, you know, he said, yeah, I can fix it. You know, just have a little surgery, put it back together and you're good. You know, so for four years, they've been telling me, you know, I'm done, it's old, Rick, you finished, it's old, just face it, you know, so to be able to hear that news, to have surgery that summer, you know, fix my need to being able to play again with no pain, uh, you know, to finish these last four or five years out, um, it, it was a wake up call for me, um, you know, to, you know, realize what's going on in the front office. Um, you know, these doctors they're using, you know, are they good doctors? Are they bad doctors? You know, um, are they missing stuff for real or are they not missing stuff? You know, both of is bad, you know, that a a franchise at this magnitude has a doctor that's missing injuries, or he's sweeping it under the table. Uh both of is bad. So um, you know, it's a lot of stuff that you know that what wakes you up, uh makes you start realizing. Um, it's time to start, you know, doing other things outside of basketball.
1: Dre has a similar experience in some case, you know. Um, I don't know if he want to share, but he has a, a, something similar in a, in a stint, just dealing with uh, with doctors.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. I was diagnosed. It was a whole mess, man. They they took him off the field. Sorry. I'm trying to get back on the field. But I'm I'm, to, I'm fine. I'm feeling good. Well they tell me I got cancer, it was, it was a big mess, man. It was a whole mess going through that whole situation. But just going through the process, it was tough, man. Like you said, the, the doctors, they they just doc they they, they they just they they say they're doing their job, but I don't think they really doing their job, man. They, they just they just telling you stuff, man. And it just it's kind of it's it's kind of it's sad because they, they dealing with your life, like this is my life, like this mm-hmm. this has nothing to do with you. This is my life. Like, I got I gotta deal with your with your decision. So like it was kind of messed up how how they kind of did me, but it's all good, man. I came out at the end, I came out on top, so it was all good.
0: Man, yeah, that's crazy. Man, yeah, sorry, to it
2: was that. A crazy. Glad you came out on top. Yeah, man, definitely. Yes, yes, sir. So yeah. So can you talk about uh what that adjustment was like for you financially financially and mentally? Yeah, um it was
0: um it was adjustment, you know. Um, you know, finally, you know, realizing, you know, that you gotta wake up, start doing something else, maybe start going and coaching and You know, doing a few different other things, you know, like real estate and, you know, different business ventures. Um, It was tough, Um, you know, not being able to, you know, get a job for, you know, back into the NBA for four or five years. um, It it was tough, you know, you know, thank God I I woke up and and saved money while while I was going, you know, because those years, you know, you look back, you party and hanging out, you know, you, you just doing the NBA thing um and a lot of guys just kind of go through the motions you know those first five ten years you know before they realize you know man i wasted a lot of time i wasted a lot of money i missed a lot of networks a lot of connections that you know that i I was supposed to you know put together uh but um it was tough um you know i ended up getting divorced um you know kind of hit rock bottom there and going through a big custody battle and doing all this and doing all that um it, it was tough man and just trying to find your way um you know trying to get paid you know losing my passport through the custody thing so getting a job overseas was kind of over for me for a year um you know so that's when it was you know really was like what you gonna do uh you know trying to fill out these applications for jobs and realize that's why I kind of woke up it was like man I have no experience for no job, you know, how can I get a job as a black man, you know, at the age of 40, 35, 40 and no experience, you know? Um, So it was just a wake up call and, you know, ended up got remarried, um, you know, and just start finding my way again, you know, just start niching here, finding here, you know, just um, ended up getting saved uh changing my life, you know, trying to stay drug free, alcohol free, um, and just staying focused. Um, you know, and that's that's what it was all about. You know, and then God was just speaking to me, you know, so um uh, thank god my transition was like that, not like a Lamar Odom, you know, something crazy mm-hmm. where, you know you almost lose your life. So um I think I woke up just the nick of time. And um, you know, the so the transition is tough, you know. So so that's why I'm preaching to these young guys and setting up these programs, you know, so you know they can start to transition at a at an earlier age. Um and, and just speaking to them, you know, the real the real truth, you know, uh, you know, out here chasing these this 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 these girls, you know, chasing that dollar, chasing that, you know, that that fun feeling, um, it can get you.
2: Definitely, definitely. I'm kind of going through the same transition right, right now. I, I retired two years ago now, and uh, yeah. I just feel like, you know, I'm just trying to find find my way now, man. It, it, it's kind of tough. Like, I'm so used to going to practice every day, so I'm like, now yeah. I wake up in the morning, like, okay, what I'm going to do today? What I'm going to do today? Like, I, I'm bored right. as hell now, so I'm really trying oh. to find, find my way now, trying to find ways like, what can I do to kind of better myself and kind of get, get you know, getting another income coming in, you know, get more money coming in and it, it just, it just kind of, it's just tough. Cause I don't, like you said, I don't know what to do. I, I never had to get a job for, I've been playing for it all my life. Right. So right. I never had to apply for a job. I never had to go out and, and find a job. So it's been kind of tough for me for doing it, but it's good talking to you kind of hearing, hearing that you went through the same thing too. So mm-hmm. it's kind of good yeah. to hear
0: that. Yeah. And it, it's tough. So that's my whole goal on, on preaching to the guys to, you know, just get established. Cause right now they paying a lot of money to these guys and um you know these guys could be they could be wealthy for generational wealth um you know if they set it up the right way if they buy real Mm -hmm. estate if they do the right moves and you know make the right investments um and not not just get caught up in the instagrams and all that other stuff so um yeah the transition is real man um yeah and you know getting coaching jobs and all that stuff, man. you know, I don't have my degree. I left my freshman year. So, um, you know, that's another roadblock, Mm -hmm. you know, so um, it's really tough, you know, so um, I I thought about coaching. I tried to coach it. I went to five different coaching programs and doing this and doing that. I still didn't get a call, you know, (laughs) so I figured maybe coaching ain't for me either. Mm -hmm. So then that's why I just kind of started doing training, started training people, started running camps and just started sitting down and, I basically just start asking God, you know, you know, what's the next move? Um, and he just start speaking, you know, just start using all these resources that I got, you know, start these camps, start working with the kids, you know, start putting them in them and, you know, work this foundation. And and then, you know, that's, that's it. The light cut on.
1: Man, I'm glad you said that because that's, this is what our platform is really, we want to expose these type of things. And one guy we had on our platform said, most guys don't go broke because of buying a bunch of Jordans or whatever. It's like either bad investments or marriage and divorce, right? These are those things that really ultimately like take a huge impact on guys. And, um, you know, just being aware of that and just everything that comes with it, like you said, waking up at the right time, understanding, man, like leverage your relationships while you're in the league. Because when you out of the league, those relationships Guys stop answering the phone. People don't want to engage with you. So you have to leverage that platform for life after football. Uh, life after basketball, pro sports, to kind of put you in a position to make sure that you're taking care of your family. I just think that, you know, as we have these conversations, younger kids can start to think about this as they find themselves in these situations. When it comes to money, understanding the taxes. Right. Understanding, you know, you right. think you signed a million dollar deal. But after taxes it's more like six hundred thousand. You know, so you, you got to be aware of these type of things and living your lifestyle that right. you know, if you sign a 10 million dollar deal, not living your life like a 10 million dollar person because you're not going to get all of that, or, it, you know, after taxes. So you have to live your life lower than what even those contracts are saying. So we love to just kind of expose this type of information. um But when you talking about your foundation, and I just want to talk about, you know, I met you at, at an event, um had the pleasure to come work alongside you a couple times with your Feed the City event here in Houston. Can you um, tell us just how that all started and uh, what you've been able to do for families during this pandemic?
0: yeah um you know the Fiji city challenge um you know it's one of the programs that we run through through our foundation um it first started through the dribble out hunger campaign um you know where we feed people through the big three season um on every road trip that we did with the big three uh we would feed you know underprivileged families underserved families uh the food desert areas you know we would do the homeless initiatives uh you know bringing them essential packs food you know, anything they need, clothes, boots, tents, sleeping bags. Um, you know, so then the, the COVID-19 happened um, and we were kind of just stuck in the house uh, trying to figure out a way, you know, to help. How can we keep it going? Um, so um, we came up with the the fiji City Challenge. Uh, we partnered up with Tony Draper uh, with Suave House Music and we kind of just took it to another level. Um, you know, we, we came up with the challenge of food, a food, you know, food distribution, drive through food distribution uh, for about a week, supplies of food um, and, you know, it just kept going. We, we try to use high influencers, high celebrities to, to target food desert areas, um, underserved areas, uh, you know, to bring resources to their communities. So we figured, hey T, you know, you get the celebrities, I get the athletes. And you know we can make this thing a a, a big tour. Um, you know it happened a few times, and and you know it's just been going ever since. You know this last year sa- Saturday we did Dr. Dre um, in Compton. Uh, we can fed about ten thousand families, ten thousand turkeys. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. So you know through this pandemic we fed over you know about one hundred and fifty thousand families. Um, you know so. Um, guy's good man he keeps it going and you know uh, not only do we want to feed him now you know we want to to be able to feed him on a consistent basis. So what's it look like for you moving forward like what's like what's the plan? Um, you know just continue just running this foundation um, you know starting other programs you know definitely want to to get these guys going with this uh, a mentorship with the, with the some of the young NFL guys, um baseball guys, basketball guys to you know to be able to set up their foundations, set up their LLCs, um you know, get a get a group of uh, attorneys or and people so they can they can be able to use them, you know, for for business, you know, pro bono. So, you know, they're not getting charged or they can guide them to the right directions. Um, you know, so for some of these athletes right now, they got you know they got the they got the the resources right there, you know in their hands every day. They go they go to their arenas every day. You know some of those those season ticket owners are uh, owners their their Fortune 500 companies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know so if we can start getting those players to you know go engage you know to some of those season ticket owners and you know you know have the the um, you know the Houston Rockets you know pull up the season tickets and what companies they're with. Um, and, you know, he can be able to target, you know, targets and the best buys and those owners and, you know, get them to use and help their platforms and grow their stuff. So that's one of the programs we're working on and STEM labs and STEM tanks and, you know, um, you know, just different kind of things, different real estate ventures and putting guys together to, you know, start, you know, um, uh, different crowd funds and different things, you know, to leverage, um, leverage different, different, um, uh, financial things. I think that's, that's the new thing that i'm on
1: absolutely um and uh, and you, you you're right on to it you're right on the path of like what it is that essentially uh guys from our community need so uh man big kudos to you man and i know that you know there's some opportunity for us to do some things together too man just with you know again all the different guys that we have access to and on our platforms that are understanding that this this is important to do these things so we definitely will um you know, get with you about some things that we can do together. Um, but but, can you let people know uh, about your foundation, where they can find it? You know, if they want to support, how they can support?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, you can support us at the, the Ricky Davis Legacy Foundation org. Um, you know, you can click on there, donate. You know, you can help us out any 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 way you can. I know you, you guys can't do boots on the ground, but, you know, the work's going to get done. But um, any way you can help with the resources. Uh, you know, we got the Instagram Uh, the Ricky Davis Legacy Foundation, Tricky 12, Fiji City Challenge, um, you know, all those places that you can go click, donate, uh, help us out with anything, resources, you know, come help, volunteer, um, you know, whatever you guys want to help. So, um, man, I appreciate you guys, Jeff, Dre, for having me on and, you know, being able to, um, you know, spread this word, change the narrative a little bit. Definitely, definitely.
2: Absolutely,
1: I appreciate it. Dre, you got anything else for him?
2: Nah, man, thank you uh, you know, for being on the show, man. Uh, you're really helping me, you know, just let li- just, just listen to you talk, man. It's really helping me too. So I know we help these other guys that listen to this podcast. And uh I really appreciate you, you know, spending your time and giving us your information, you know, speaking your knowledge. It really, it really helps, you know. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so Definitely. much. Definitely.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Well, again, thank you uh, for joining the podcast. Uh, we look forward to supporting you in any way we can and all the success moving forward. So I appreciate you again. Thanks for joining us on the podcast.
0: Hey, man, I appreciate it. I'll see y'all soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.